From CPR News and Denver 7, this is Real Talk. This week, how can Colorado make its great outdoors more inclusive? Not only do people not believe that black people ski, but they believe it must just be one or two people if they do. From the world-renowned ski resorts to the countless miles of trails and spectacular mountain peaks. What's being done to make it all more accessible to people of color? Today, we have a Real Talk about equity in the outdoors. Welcome to Real Talk. I'm Colorado Public Radio's Nathan Heffel. And I'm Denver 7's Micah Smith. Each week, in a partnership between Denver 7 and CPR, we have a Real Talk about issues impacting underrepresented people across Colorado. And this week, we're talking Colorado's great outdoors. The question, how to make them more equitable for everyone. Yeah, I had a chance to talk with a group of black skiers who are bringing diversity to Colorado's resorts. As the sun illuminates the peaks that surround Snowmass, Colorado. Every run is its, its unique. Hundreds of skiers are making their way to the lifts to get first tracks of the day. It's um, exhilarating. I love thrills. I love the downhill motion. I like going fast. These skiers' skills alone turn heads, but there's something else that's piquing curiosity. Not only do people not believe that black people ski, but they believe it must just be one or two people if they do. First week of February in Snowmass, nearly 2,000 black skiers and snowboarders hit the slopes for the National Brotherhood of Skiers 49th Annual Summit. Right now we have about 3,500 members. Uh, 54 clubs across the United States and the UK. We've been all over. This is Henry Rivers, president of the Brotherhood. Our founders, Art Clay and Ben Finley, they had the vision to put this all together. It started out with 13 clubs, 13 clubs that got together, and they got together in Aspen, Colorado in 1973. Founder Arthur Art Clay says times were different then. We had the first summit in 73. We had about 500 people there. Clay says, according to fellow founder Ben Finley, Aspen wasn't as welcoming in 73. Finley tells a story that I can't really attest to, but he says that the state of Colorado had called out the National Guard when they found out that a bunch of us would be in Aspen. But after almost 50 years. And instead of the National Guard being called, we've had two different mayors show up from both Aspen and Snowmass. Quincy Shannon is the founder and president of the National Brotherhood of Skiers Denver chapter, Ski Noir 5280. We're the youngest of the ski clubs that has been initiated within the National Brotherhood of Skiers. Shannon says he hopes to get more young people interested in the sport, but understands age and feeling welcome aren't the only barriers to skiing. The sport is expensive. Regardless of your race, color, and creed, your equipment costs money, your lift tickets cost money. One of the great things when you come with a group, though, is we're able to leverage the fact that it's going to be over a 1,000 people or 10,000 people. Shannon says group discounts and partnerships with companies have helped overcome economic challenges. But still, there's those ever-present stereotypes and not just the obvious ones. This is Whenever I talk about it, people say, one, you're from Texas, and two, black people don't ski, and I'm like, oh. DeAndrea Stays is the Rocky Mountain Region Director for the Brotherhood and also the chairperson for the Houston Ski Jammers. I, I envision that not only are we filling the mountain with people once a year for a week, but we're seeing black people on the mountain all year long. But even if that happens, Stays and others say attending this yearly gathering 
is like coming home. So it's almost like a family reunion every year. I met my husband at a summit. We've been married now for 18 years. <laughs> you know, I met my wife skiing uh, and uh, many of my friends, you know, got hooked up skiing. And at almost 85 years old, Art isn't quite ready to give up the sport that's brought him so much joy. I tell them all just to keep skiing, keep skiing. And that's just what Art plans to do. And he says he hopes that a few thousand of his friends will continue to join him every year on a different slope. Micah, that is such a great story. And I know you had a chance to help out this group through your Denver 7 Gives Fund. We did. So back in February, we were able to give Ski Noir 5280, which is a tractor of the Brotherhood of Skiers, about 100 pairs of gloves for their members, as well as a $500 gift card to Dick's Sporting Goods so they can get any other equipment they might need. And this was all from the generous donations from our Denver 7 Gives viewers who just wanted to help make sure this group succeed. That is such a cool thing for your viewers to do. Well, we are so excited to welcome Jasmine Bowman and Quincy Shannon from Ski Noir 5280 to expand on this real talk of making winter sports more inclusive in Colorado. All right, let's have a real conversation, a real talk about making the slopes more inclusive. Yeah, absolutely. So the big, I'm just going to come out with the most obvious question, right? There's this notion out there that black people don't ski, but there's a slight truth to it. What is the challenge in getting more black people, young people in particular, into winter sports? Well, I think it's a stigma that goes around that has roots into real history, right? If we think about the fact that the mountains were a red line the same way that many of our neighborhoods were, there was a time when many African-Americans didn't have the access and accessibility to go to the mountains. But times have changed and we are there. And when we think about an organization like the National Brotherhood of Skiers that's celebrating 50 years of being in existence, that means for the last 50 years, there have been clubs of individuals to go to the mountains together. But sadly, that group that has been taking folks up for the last 50 years hasn't really transitioned to this next generation. What do you mean about that? Talk, talk about that. Yeah. So when we think about ski clubs in the time when you needed to go there, right, I, I needed to go with a group of people who look like me to be safe to go to the mountains. If we're looking at a 1973 when the first black ski summit happened in Aspen and they called the National Guard or were stories of the National Guard being put on on, you know, waiting and wanting to come up to a time now when you can get a pass right? and you can go to the mountains with your friends and you may be able to jump on the ski train or get on CDOT and take the snow staying and go up to the mountains yourself. And so you may not be looking the same way you would have 40 years ago, 30 years ago for a group of people to take you for that safety. But then the hard thing is, is when you go by yourself, then you feel isolated because you don't see others who look like you. Yeah. And I have this next question for Jasmine in particular. How does it feel when you get up on the mountain and you see dozens of people that look like you on the slopes at the same time? It's really amazing, honestly. Um, a girl being from the South, I wasn't exposed to the mountains originally, so moving out to Colorado was like a brand new world. Um, more specifically, being a part of Ski Noir 5280, I was able to kind of have a jump start to having people that looked exactly like me on the mountain. And it's just a surreal feeling just to know that you have camaraderie, union, and community on the mountain, so you're just not alone by yourself. So it really is a great feeling. And I'm assuming it's all levels of skiing in this group. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, at the beginning of the season in particular for me, um, I had the uh, opportunity to take a few lessons through uh, Slide Through Saturdays, that, which is a, a participation group that we're going to be talking about a little bit later. Yeah. But um, having the opportunity to have lessons, you know, I was a complete beginner. 
towards the beginning of the season. So now I'm to- going towards blues and blacks and things of that nature. So coming from where I'm from, that is a great improvement. So we are definitely people of all levels and of all complexities. So. And on the flip side of that, you have some folks who are experts and we have that individuals who like yourself. This. No, no, I'm talking about like Zeb Powell and other individuals <laughs> who do the X Games and things of that nature who are associated and linked with our group and our organization now. And that's really cool because you get to see all levels. You see individuals who are just getting started, can barely stand and walk in their ski boots or their snowboard boots, all the way up to someone like Bryce, a young man who's competing at the highest levels up in Copper Mountain, who's been a member of Ski Noir 5280 for the last few years. Quincy is being really humble. He is an excellent skier. He's been doing it for years and years and years since he was little. And he also created Ski Noir 5280. This was his vision. And so with that said, what is your dream in terms of a Ski Noir and and what's the next level look like? Yeah, so I think it's beautiful that we've been able to accomplish what we've been able to accomplish as far as getting more people to the mountains and diversifying the mountains in many different ways. My dream and my vision is sustainability through the generations. And so what we've been able to establish with friends and individuals who are in our age group, I would love to see that happen for the next generation. And so what my hope is, is that we establish ourselves in such a way where we're able to come to different high schools and be able to pull up for experiential learning opportunities for students and be able to say, hey, have you ever gone skiing? And some will say yes, some will say no. But to be able to be trusted in such a way where we're able to go from school to school or from organization to organization and similar to how many fifth graders can say that they've done baccalaureate and that was many of their introduction to hiking, we can establish such a program that will say, yeah, I'm from Colorado or I grew up in Colorado or I live in Colorado. And the next question will be like, have you been skiing? And it can say, oh, yeah, there's this organization who came to my school and they took me and my friends skiing. And it didn't matter what you look like. It didn't matter what your socioeconomics were. It didn't matter if your parents had done it because they pulled up. We felt comfortable doing it. And then really cool thing may happen is years from now, we may have an Olympian or somebody going to the X Games. And when somebody interviews them and asks them how they started, they could say, hey, I had some gloves that Channel 7 donated to me years ago. (laughs) All right. For that future Olympian or someone who's like, I want to try this for the first time. How do they get involved with uh, Ski Noir 5280? Yeah. So it's a few different levels that we have right now. Um, Our membership is just $40 annually. And you can find us on Instagram, Ski Noir 5280. Um, We have a website as well, but really it's not about membership. Membership is dope and I want people to be members because that's how we're able to sustainability and move forward with that. But really it's just exposure. If you have friends coming in town, I want you to feel comfortable reaching out to us, member or not, and ask, you know, what is a mountain you recommend? What is a mountain you don't recommend? If you don't have the right equipment, what equipment do you recommend? And so when we talk about like, how do people get involved? I want it to be either from an associate level of just saying, hey, teach me what I don't know, all the way to somebody wanting to be a member. And a really cool thing is that we've been able to establish with some great partners this year, a free ski trip once a month, where we're able to take people, expose them to the mountain saying, hey, don't worry about how much the lift ticket costs, no matter how much the lesson costs. We have a way for you to jump on a bus with us, thanks to Colorado Department of Transportation, And we have a chance to get you to the mountains thanks to Red Bull and I-70 things and some of these other partners who have really stepped up to give us that accessibility. And I just want to say the reason why I ever tried skiing was because of these two right here and because of Ski Noir. I've taken advantage of the free trips and it has been an absolute delight. I might be the Olympic skier. Oh, there you go. It it might be me. (laughs) (laughs) Quincy Shannon and Jasmine Bowman are with the group Ski Noir 5280. 
Next, our real talk on outdoor equity in Colorado turns from the snow of winter to the blue skies of summer. A Colorado man is pushing for inclusivity on hiking trails one social media post at a time. We look at the role social media is playing in expanding access to our beautiful state. This is Real Talk from CPR News and Denver 7. This is Real Talk, and today we're having a real talk about outdoor equity in Colorado and how to make our parks and trails more accessible for all. My colleague CPR's Ryan Warner spoke with Nelson Holland, who is an outdoor advocate documenting his time on Colorado's trails as a black man who has been large for much of his life. Nelson, what's the name of your TikTok? Uh, fat, black, and getting it. Fat, black, and getting it. Unpack those three concepts for me. Well, all my life I've been basically over 300 pounds, it feels like. Um, I'm definitely black, uh, identify as black and look that way. Everybody treats me that way. And uh, I really just want to represent for all the people that look like me to get out and hike. Because I never see people that look like me on trail. You never see that? Almost never. And when I do, you know, it's literally one out of 20, 50, 100. I mean, I almost never see anybody my size hiking on trail. But I also rarely see any black indigenous people of color out in these spaces either. Now Nelson's TikTok following has grown to more than 120,000 followers. He says he wants to influence others like him to get outside. But for me, I, I really just coming from New York, I had never seen anything as beautiful as this. And I just felt like I had to explore these spaces, whether they accepted me or not. You know, I know we're not back in the in the 40s and I'm allowed to go to these places. So I gave it a try and I found out in a lot of cases, the places are friendly and uh, it's just been like a, a life-changing experience for me. So now I feel like I need to share it with the world. Well, we wanna welcome Nelson Holland onto Real Talk right now. Nelson, thank you so much for joining us. Happy to be here. All right, so tell us about your experience. Have you always been interested in the outdoors or is this something that is completely new to you? I guess it's a little of both. Um, growing up in New York, <laughs> excuse me, the outdoors wasn't as accessible to me. And um, I feel like most of us New Yorkers are just kind of stuck in the rat race out there and we literally don't take time to smell the roses. But I always did like kind of getting outside and I don't know, just the fresh, clean air. But when I came to Colorado, just coming in off the plane and seeing the Rocky Mountains, it turned it into something completely different for me. And I had to go out there and explore. First time hiking, when you get off that plane, you get settled, what did it feel like hiking up those mountains, hiking up those trails, being like, all right, it's pretty cool. Well, I like to let everybody know that I started kind of at the arsenal just around the lake. So if you're a beginner hiker, you don't have to start hiking a mountain. That's like, you know, a lot of people don't know that. And that's the Rocky Mountain Arsenal. Uh, yeah, right by Denver, what, 15, 20 sure. minutes away in Commerce City. Um, but the first time I hiked a mountain up in Boulder, it was like a surreal experience. I was completely unprepared but it was like one of the most challenging and most beautiful things that I've ever done in my life. And I was hooked immediately. Aside from the arsenal, what are some of your other favorite spots? Uh, Boulder's a good one. I really like Green Mountain over there. Golden's got a couple of good hikes too, and I love to get out to the mountains. Rocky Mountain National Park is definitely one of my favorite areas in the world. There's just so many amazing, beautiful places here in Colorado. Yeah, and you know, we saw your TikToks, we see an Instagram. 
What has that been like having people uh, say, hey, I saw this beautiful sunrise on your Instagram, or I'm maybe stuck in my room or in the office and I look at your stuff and I'm like, I'm outside with you. How does that feel? Um, really humbling. I, I really don't have a word to describe it. Um, it's been awesome being able to help get people outdoors, but sometimes I get comments from people that are stuck in the hospital or not able to get out anymore, and they're living the outdoors like vicariously through me. That like always kind of makes me choke up, and yeah, I just, I can't, I never thought that I would be this person, and I'm just so glad that I can share this experience with everybody. Fat, black, and getting it. That is a bold name. Um, but talk to me about the perception from folks who look like you, whether that be they identify as being fat, black, or just getting it. <laughs> it's been amazing being on social media. I found a whole community that I didn't even know existed. Um, I'm definitely part of a plus-sized outdoor community that I, I didn't know existed. I don't see very many people that look like me on trail. But, for instance, I just tried rock climbing a few days ago and made a video about it, and I got literally hundreds of comments of people that are plus size saying that, like I, they didn't know that they could do this and I inspired them to get out and try new things. And yeah, it's been, I've gotten amazing reception from most people. I definitely get people that are a little negative. Social media can always be like that. Yeah. But overall, it's been positive and it's really made me a more confident person too and helped me come out of my shell. Do you do any group trips or other ways that you coordinate with people who do want to get outdoors that maybe, uh, don't feel particularly ready to do so? Definitely. Everybody's always, um, like any individual can reach out to me on Instagram and I'll message them back. Um, but I do have a group, Colorado Gone Hiking on Facebook that I hike with. So sign up for that and you can see me on trail. All right. Thank you so much for joining us, Nelson. We are just so excited to follow you along the way on social media because it's just so inspiring. It is so inspiring. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Maybe we can get on trail together sometime. I'm Let's with you. do Let's it. Let's do it. We'll go. All right. Real talk on the road. <laughs> Nelson Holland is on TikTok, where he documents his hikes on Colorado's trails. After this break, we introduce you to Inclusive Guide. This is Real Talk from CPR News and Denver 7. This is Real Talk, and today we're talking outdoor equity in Colorado. Our state is dedicated to helping young people who have been historically excluded a chance to get involved in recreational activities. Yeah, there is an outdoor equity grant program to provide financial support for organizations across Colorado. That's right. The grant program director says many people don't have the transportation, information or gear to see all that Colorado has to offer. This program helps break down some of those barriers. Here's Teresa Martinez with the Continental Divide Trail Coalition. It creates this tool and a resource for organizations, for small groups that aren't the, the traditional ways people get out there. It's church groups, it's small schools, it's you know buying the boots that sometimes kids need. You know, Not every child has access to be able to pay for a pair of hiking boots. That seems like a, a luxury item for some people who are just trying to make sure they get food on the table. The program handed out more than a million dollars in grant money last year. Their grant cycle opens in August with grants being dispersed next March. And we want to make sure you have the resources you need to get outside and enjoy everything the state has to offer. 
With that said, we want to welcome Inclusive Guide co-founder Parker McMullen Bushman to Real Talk right now. Thank you so much for joining us, Parker. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I don't want to limit this conversation to Inclusive Guide because you're doing a lot of work in this space. Talk to us about your work. Yeah, you know, I think that getting outdoors is so important and we want to provide access for a lot of people. And so uh, I like to say instead of I wear a number of different hats, I wear a number of different head wraps. And um, Inclusive Guide is one. It is an online review platform where people can rate how they're feeling when they're visiting outdoor spaces. And we can provide feedback to the people that manage those spaces to make sure that they understand how people are have what experiences they're having when they go to those places. In addition to Inclusive Guide, um, I also have an organization called Eco Inclusive Strategies. And with Eco-Inclusive Strategies, I work with um, land management organizations, conservation organizations, and um, outdoor brands to have conversations about inclusion in outdoor spaces and what does that look like and what resources do they need to make sure that they're being as welcoming as possible to underrepresented audiences in this space. And then I also am on social media uh, as Queen Work. And Queen is spelled non-traditionally. It's K-W-E-E-N-W-E-R-K. But Queen Works act actually stands for Keep Widening Environmental Engagement Narratives. And in that space, I talk about what it's like to um, be a you know plus-size person of color in the outdoors and try to give people encouragement for getting outside. And I want to ask the question, what do you see for the future of equity in the outdoors? I know you mentioned, you know, uh, outdoor retailers. For a long time, I didn't see someone who looked like me in those retailing ads, right? Yes. And I think that's, um, you know, uh, the case for a lot of people. Um, when I grew up, I didn't see that representation. And it actually made me feel like I wasn't outdoorsy, even though I spent time outside, like doing picnics or like we used to collect aluminum cans because you could turn them in to get five cents. Right. Yeah. Right. And so we were recycling, even though we needed the money. Right. Um, but we don't see those things represented. If you spend time outside because out of necessity, right? Like my uncle who rode his bike 30 miles to work every day because he couldn't afford a car. Um, we don't tell those stories. And we have one point of view about who kind of gets out into those spaces. And so we have to widen that narrative and we have to provide the resources for people who have been previously not represented and in some cases actually excluded so that they can get out there. And the Outdoor Equity Fund is an amazing um, thing that's doing that. Well, Parker McMullen Bushman, we want to thank you so much for joining us for this episode. And that's this week's episode of Real Talk. Every week, we'll be having a real talk on issues that impact Coloradans who are often overlooked. And you can find all of our shows at denver7.com slash realtalk or online at cpr.org. Have a great day.